Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 128 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, happy Super Bowl Sunday. And to all of my marketing friends out there who work in copywriting, etc., happy big game to everyone, right? Because you can't actually technically use the word Super Bowl in your marketing ads. Oh, I didn't know that. Unless they're officially licensed, which is why if you take a look at your emails, your social media stuff, um, a lot of them will say, like, are you excited for the big game? Huh. I learn something new every day. Surprise, yes. Unless you're officially licensed by the NFL to use those words. Don't use them. But a lot of uh, companies still do that anyways, which is fine. But whatever. Uh, also, you know, we're, we've entered February now. So I just want to, you know, extend a happy uh, uh, Chinese New Year to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very a much. Form, a form of New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is what we call in wrestling the no-sell. It's okay. Uh, I, you know, I had, a, I had somebody wish me Happy New Year at work uh, maybe last week. How did you feel? I, about I brought that? it up. Like, when does this end? So, I don't know if anyone's caught up on season ten of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but the first episode of the season, actually, uh, Larry David engages in this, and he says three days max. Yeah, you told me you were pretty excited about that. I am. I am pretty excited. But yeah, three days max. How do you feel about a three day max for for New Year's? Yeah, that's perfect. Nah, that's you got to keep the train rolling, my friend. Till June. Speaking of keeping the train rolling, you love the internet, you hate the internet, I love the internet, I hate the internet. You found me a list on Slate.com of the most evil tech companies, and these are a roundup of 20 of them. Um, how do you feel about this list? Are you surprised by any of the, the top ones? Now, if, if the good place has taught us anything, it's that uh, pretty much everything is evil these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can't get away from it. So um, I use a lot of these companies, but some of them I've never heard of. So why don't we go for top five, okay? Um, so the top, yeah, of, of this, of these 30. Yes. Um, so at uh, number five, we have Uber. Not a huge surprise there. No, not at all. I've never used Uber. Have you? You have, I think. Uh, once, twice, okay. twice. Three times a lady. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number four is a company that isn't really public facing, but, uh, uh devastatingly, uh, personal in nature. It's Palantir Technologies, which is owned by your friend of mine, Peter Thiel, right? Uh, so basically it is a company that sort of, uh, collects all of the available online data about you and then sort of like deposits it somewhere and it's up for grabs. People can buy your information, right? So people, um, like insurance companies and pharma giants can also go ahead and just, uh, you know, purchase, uh, this sort of information and, uh, you know, uh, allow them to build out and model and map things. Is there anything more evil sounding than Project Maven? No, not at all. Seriously, <laughs> that really sounds like something a Bond villain would come up with. Number three is Alphabet, which is the parent company of uh, all of the, your favorite Google products, right? So Yeah, they're listening to us right now in my house. Yeah. So, the, of course, they have dropped the uh, Don't Be Evil slogan. So they've gone full evil, I guess, according to this list. They had to, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Number uh, two is your favorite social media platform of mine, Facebook. I'm amazed it's not number one, but I guess we'll see why number one is number one. I feel like the content mills were kind of quiet today in non-big uh, game related news because uh, I saw a number of websites reporting that Stephen King quit Facebook. So, uh, you know, cool. He was, yeah. And I mean, Stephen King doesn't really have to put himself out there anymore. I think he's sort of well known. Yes. But the, the, I guess that's why they were reporting on that, right? Well, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he just followed our, our, uh, our example and got off. <laughs> yes, exactly. He saw he that we were to doing our episode, that. Whatever episode that was where we talked about leaving Facebook and uh, we inspired him. Hey, uh, Stephen King, uh, you can add us on Twitter, double underscore density. Let us know how you're feeling these days, uh, having walked right from Facebook for, uh, you know, a number of days. Or just write us into a novel. You could, yeah. Uh, two hapless, dumb Canadian idiots on the trail of something larger than they... Maybe he'll uh, have me uh, falling into the trap of a ghost after not believing for so long. <laughs> that would be, uh, you know, a good happenstance to, to come upon if I were to find you, right? And because I am the believer, you would yeah. then... Yeah, you would haunt me. Uh, 
I would. Number one is your favorite website and company and service and uh, something that I've tried uh, very hard not to use over the last two years, Amazon. Well, so it's really hard not to use Amazon if you use the internet because everything runs on Amazon Web Services, basically. But Angel, do you have Angel? Do you have Amazon Prime? I do. There we go. Yeah, no, I know, and that's what I'm saying. Though you you're just can, you're just eating, you're just a little piggy eating at the Amazon trough. You can get away from using the main services of Amazon, and and but you choose not to. No, I know, but I it's so convenient. Accelerating, excel. Yeah, your convenience is accelerating this monoculture, and then when they're the only game left in town, they jack up the prices. Yeah, um, talks about how uh, Amazon Basics is basically knockoffs of popular products. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also uh, all of their warehouse workers, right? Uh, how do you feel about, uh, you know, ordering from a company that doesn't allow its workers to uh, take bathroom breaks properly? It's uh, coming from uh, being somebody who works at a place where they are very lenient with uh, stuff like that, where it, it's really not even a question, right? It, we can pretty much come and go as we please. As long as we do our job and do our work, we not, we not get in trouble. We won't get in trouble. <laughs> right. Uh, all that to say, I hope that you're rethinking this in 2020. I hope you're rethinking your relationship. I, should, I hope a lot of people... I, I should go work for Amazon? Yeah, I, I understand that some people out there must use this due to where they're located, et cetera, et cetera. But I want a lot of people to kind of question a lot of their um, uh, choices as well as, you know, um, the tech platforms that they decide to use too, right? Yeah. I, I think we talked about this with when TJ was on last year, but like, like um, don't feel obligated to tell the truth online like disinformation is a powerful weapon you know in a society where we decide to sort of throw all of these ideas out yeah well that makes total sense so are you gonna let me control your uh, twitter account since you don't want to control it anymore you want my password I, I would love to angelo i think i would turn you into some kind of like a man who loves to visit zoos yeah it's p a <laughs> dollar sign i'm gonna need your social insurance number uh four Two. well f- to complete everything here one I don't even know my social insurance number. Perfect. If, if anybody's wondering, isn't that a social security number? No, here in Canada, it's a social insurance number. That's right. Uh, let's talk about, let's continue this thread about personal things because you want to talk about DNA tests for some reason? Oh, no, it's just uh, uh, our, our friend of the show, Tyler Bernard. He likes when we bring him up on the show. This, his ears are pricking up right now in his uh, AirPods Pro that he's contemplating returning, actually. He's not very happy with them. Uh, apparently, they hurt his ears when he wears a toque, uh, which you have to do in Canada in the winter. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he was, uh, he sent me a link of this place called dnafit.com and, uh, he doesn't want to send his DNA to these places because he's worried, uh, you know, some people are worried that they'll put your DNA in a database and sell it and stuff. He's worried they're going to make a clone of him. I, that is a valid concern, a secondary concern, but a valid concern. Now, I don't know if he says it jokingly, which I think he is, but, uh, because he figures once they see how special he is, they're going to want to make a clone of him. And I had a good <laughs> laugh about that. I thought that was pretty funny. How do you feel about your DNA being sold, Angelo? I actually would not give my DNA to these places. I'm, I, it's one of the things I'm a little paranoid about, I guess. Inadvertently, unfortunately, like uh, my sister did it some years ago. So I am stuck uh, tangentially being involved in all of this. And, you know, my, a, a large percentage of my DNA code is out there, right? I mean, if somebody wanted my DNA that badly, it's not exactly hard to come by. I will sell it to whoever's interested. Yeah. I will go to Angelo's place at work, pluck a hair off of him. That would hurt. And then just, uh, you know, I'll mail it to you. Angelo, we're going to talk about your friend, my friend. Well, mostly your friend, I think, right? John Gruber has an article up on Daring Fireball talking about how the iPad has awkwardly turned 10 years old. Angelo, I was just using my iPad 2 the other day. I love it. It's not going to go anywhere. I use it as a reading device. It's the very 2011 lovely. iPad 2? Correct. And it's still, see, that's the thing 
that does impress me about the iPad is even the really old ones still do their jobs decently. I read, I watch Twitch on there. I read, you know, a lot of eBooks on there. It's perfect. On Daring Fireball uh, on the 27th, when the iPad, as uh, Gruber puts it, awkwardly turned 10, uh, he has a relatively long article about how uh, the iPad hasn't really met its promise in terms of it replacing a computer. Uh, and I think that's that's the weird position, right? Because it is, uh, for all intents and purposes, and I was just describing my relationship to an iPad, it is an accessory. It is not my my main piece of tech that I use to engage with all the work that I do. Yeah, it, it was initially pitched as uh, something between a phone and a laptop, which it basically is. Although I will say uh, the iPad Pro is coming closer and closer to what a laptop can do. The problem is uh, certain things you really can't do on an iPad. For example, what we're doing right now, the way we have our podcasting set up, it wouldn't really be that easy to do on an iPad, mainly because iOS won't let you record and uh, filter in two audio sources at the same time. It wouldn't really work well with the way we have it set up. So for example, when I'm recording, I have, I'm recording Brian's side of the conversation on Skype and the entire Skype call and my side, just in case something goes wrong with one of the audio files, we have a few things as a backup. You can't really do that with an iPad. Um, And that's just a real edge case, obviously. But even things like typing and stuff is, it's not as easy to do unless you really just concentrate on typing on one thing. Uh, As soon as you need to bring in a multitasking window, Things kind of go awry. Uh, They had a really good conversation about this on ATP this week. Um, All three guys on that show are of our generation of computer users. And uh, I think people that have grown up with the iPad and iPhones and things like that are going to take to it much more easily. The thing is, if you're so used to using a computer for doing certain tasks and the multitasking power of... Uh, a Windows or a Mac uh, computer, things uh, are way easier than doing it on the iPad. But the iPad yeah, is still great for so many other things. I will for I will pick up my iPad to check email. I'll pick up my iPad if I need to go website. Did I say if I need to go website? It's like I need yes. to go potty. <laughs> Hold on. I'll pick up my iPad if I need to go to a website or look at anything on the internet, watch a video. It's It's... I will not sit at my computer and watch a YouTube video or watch uh, a Netflix uh, video or anything like that. I will pick up the iPad to do that instead or watch it on a real TV. Uh, the computer I find is not as good for that. But uh, quote-unquote work, like if I work from home, there's no way I'm working on the iPad. No, of course not. I need a mouse. I need or a trackpad or a key and a keyboard. I Obviously, you can get a keyboard for an iPad. You can sort of use a mouse type thing if you turn it on in accessibility but it's not exactly ideal you know what happens when you turn that on brian no i do not have you ever turned on i I forget what it's called when there's that little uh dot on your screen that can use um instead of the home button yes yeah okay you know what i'm talking about yes well yeah you can actually move that dot around on an ipad with a mouse or a trackpad okay okay uh, because you can connect a, a mouse to an iPad now, right? Because the input is actually real USB now. You, If you plug in a USB drive, guess what? You can see what's on the USB drive, finally. That's another thing. The iPad only recently was able to do something like that. 
Yeah. Coming back to your point though about multitasking, like I try to picture my dad, right, who isn't a native computer user necessarily, but, uh, you know, in a situation where he may want to try and use an iPad for multitasking, forget it. Uh, you'd have to, like, there's seminars to be taken, there are videos to be watched about, you know, how to properly use an iPad, I think. And so for some of us, it's very, very intuitive, but for others, unfortunately, it's very, um, uh, it's, it's sort of precarious, right? And the idea is if you're building on top of this to sort of like add out more features, who are you really, really building those features for, right? Like your hardcore users or are you more casual users who might be interested in sort of doing more, but don't understand how? Well, if you're interested in actual uh, computer experts talking about this, I encourage you, episode 363 of ATP, Accidental Tech Podcast, uh, great title, The Floor is Lava, which is referring to any time you're trying to use multitasking on an iPad, basically you touch the wrong thing, everything goes wrong. It's over. Yep, it's, absolutely. Uh, and I have an iPad that's meant for uh, the highest uh, level of multitasking on the iPad. Oh, cool. This is a humble brag. Yeah, the iPad Pro with its giant screen and faster processor, you can do basically, I think, almost, I think three or four levels of multitasking on there. It's terrible. And I often find myself multitasking by accident. I'll try to swipe on the right side of the screen to change page or whatever. And all of a sudden, something I had on in the background like three weeks ago will pop up on the screen. And so you are stuck in a um, hellscape of your own making sort of it, it honestly is very, very complicated to get anything multitasking. And I'm sure the vast majority of people, just regular old folks that, you know, use the iPad as it was meant to be just to look at one thing at a time, will never even touch multitasking. And for those that's there that want to try and use it, most probably end up frustrated. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you say about like having that, like if you're doing one task at a time, it is fine, right? Um, you know, it does the definition of a computer include the ability to sort of rotate through, um, you know, different programs or apps and be able to do um, a lot of things all at once? I don't know. Like, is that the modern definition of a computer? Maybe. Uh, that said, the, the iPad is excellent, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not down on my iPad. I actually use it oh, more Oh, really? Than my what Mac. a huge surprise. What a huge surprise that you have to add the disclaimer that anyone would be worried that suddenly you've gone rogue on Apple. Yeah, no, but on my iPad, I, I really like my iPad. If something were to happen to it, I would go buy another one right away because I use it so much. Do you want to read out your address? Maybe someone could come steal it. Uh, unless you have, like, find my iPad on there, right? No. Let us sort of, like, move on tangentially to talking about, like, um, um, I want to talk about one uh, very important kind of thing that also involves the home, and that is, of course, uh, recording in the home. So I uh, found an article from Engadget all about how Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas uh, mostly recorded the raw tracks for her Grammy Award winning album, When We Fall Asleep, you know, etc. Uh, the title is very long um, and how they recorded that, uh, you know, uh, in the home. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Computers are great for that, Brian. Uh, you can actually record pretty well on an iPad, but to get to the level that they got to with uh, what they did, uh, you do need something a little more professional, like uh, Logic Pro 10, which uh, I use to edit this podcast uh, from time to time. <laughs> um, Humble so brag as well, off. I guess. I use the same software as Billie Eilish. Uh, I use the same microphone apparently as Billy Eilish. So let's 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 read some of this off, right? So according to ProSound Network interview with Phineas, uh, they purchased uh, Yamaha HS5 near field monitors with a, a subwoofer for an AJS subwoofer, so about four hundred fifty bucks. Uh, a universal audio uh, Apollo 8 interface to plug uh, mics in and out and sort of go into the computer, and then uh, Logic Pro X as you just mentioned, and then of course recording on an AT twenty twenty, which is what I use. Yeah, that's a good microphone. You sound great, Brian. You sound it wonderful. Is. Thank you. Um, 
The funny thing is I've seen a lot of uh, uh, pedants online sort of saying, well, yes, but it was mixed professionally. But the thing is, like, if you hand over the raw tracks uh, in modern parlance, they're called stems, which I hate, but whatever. If you hand over the the stems and they're super uh, shitty, then your record's not going to sound good. You still can't master them. You can't master garbage. Um, You can't can't mix and master garbage here, people. Yeah, and you can do so much. You can master in Logic as well. Most people don't. Um, but you can send amazing sounding, as you call them, stems. I, I Like a few years ago, I kept hearing that term, and I was like, what is that? I've never heard that. I've always considered them tracks, but yes, they're called stems because they're different parts of a song. And they put them all together, master them, and yes, you do that professionally, but still, she recorded that stuff in her bedroom. So I'm going to read off um, a paragraph, and I kind of want you to ask you a question after this, okay? So, <sighs> serious voice. Now, as cameras, microphones, mixers, and editing software get better and more affordable, pretty much anyone can create top-notch material. Audio engineer Matt Jordan, pro audio category manager for Music Gear and Marketplace Reverb, told Engadget that the barrier of entry to becoming a great engineer or producer is lower than ever. Second-hand gear through outlets like Reverb also help put pro-level equipment within reach by offering them for fractions of retail prices. Now, Angelo, you and I talk about the barrier for entry um, uh, in, in a lot of different industries. Uh, but it also creates a lot of noise, right? So the idea is that you can dump stuff onto YouTube, SoundCloud, you know, uh, MySpace back in the day, let's say, right? And then uh, you could probably, hopefully, gain an audience by that. But, uh, you know, with the deluge of content comes the noise. Yeah, just look at podcasting, right? There's so many podcasts coming out. And uh, a lot of them probably aren't that great. Uh, is ours good? I think ours is good. Quality-wise, um, sure. Co-host-wise, mm, uh, mm, yeah. Mm. He's, that, your co-host doesn't even want to go on the internet anymore. Yeah, that's which is a huge like point of contention in our relationship here right now because you almost refuse to engage, uh, you know, on Twitter. So Angelo Fiorin, if everyone wants to get mad at him, I'd like to think though, in many cases, uh, a lot of the good stuff does filter through, and people do discover it via word of mouth or on uh, aforementioned Twitter, uh, and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and all that. I think it's good, though, right? We can't argue that this is a bad thing. Yeah and no. So uh, let's game this out a little bit, right? So um, how do you find uh, new sources of entertainment? A lot of times, the old-fashioned way where a friend will tell me about something, like uh, music, you'll often tell me about something. Uh, I do get relatively decent recommendations in terms of music from Apple Music, does Apple so does Apple Music have an algorithm like so for example on Spotify there's the Discover Now and the Release Radar um, uh, playlists which show you artists that you've listened to and then they sprinkle in artists you're probably interested in that have new releases um, does Apple Music sort of do the same? Yes, it does. From what I understand, it's not as good as um, it's not as good as Spotify's, but it's okay. Um, sometimes it makes really weird recommendations or it gets things completely wrong. Uh, so, for example, it kept recommending me this new album by Jewel. I like Jewel, the singer, the female singer-songwriter. And when I uh, go click on it, it's a uh, French rapper. Yeah, so I think the tagging in there is, is very problematic. Like, for example, I was listening to the rapper YG, and then uh, uh, there was a song featuring him. So I was like, oh, I want to listen to some of his other tracks that I enjoy. So I click on it, and yeah, of course, it is uh, not him. Yeah, it does that from time to time. Uh, I have noticed there's a couple of indie bands I like where they'll come out an album and Apple Music creates a new artist category for them. So they'll be in two different places. Should we suggest that if you're starting a creative endeavor, maybe, you know, SEO is something to think of now in, you know, in 2020? 
But I don't think it's the album's fault, right? I, I don't think. No, it's but I think the it's the artist picking a name that's very, very generic. Oh no! In this case, the artist's name is not generic at all. There's only one of them, but Apple Music separates them into two different artists, even though it's. One oh, artist. I see. But I see. what's hilarious is in uh, in their uh, other artists like this, they have them there. So, for example, you're listening to their album, and below you might like this too, and it's also them. <laughs> right. So I don't know if if they'll I don't know if they've noticed that I'm sure they probably have and have asked Apple Music to fix it, uh, but I so uh, sort of returning to the question I was asking before I let the computers uh, suggest things to me now I like that too I do that in YouTube all the time although YouTube kind of can be dangerous oh yeah because it inevitably ends up as a flat Earth conference or yes, something exactly. so, so. Uh, uh, another source and this is a shameless plug I'm going to go for it is my co-host Rob Christopherson of uh, our sister podcast The Coda uh, he and I uh, will send each other like music recommendations on a regular basis so he's a good source for that uh, you actually recently had uh, a singer and her producer on yes. the show did they um, talk about I haven't listened to the episode yet but did Blasphemy. they talk about uh, what gear and what they use no, we didn't oh. sort of get into the technical kind of stuff. We talked about some of the songwriting process, how they met. Um, it was a, a very fr- uh, like a free-flowing interview, as you'll hear. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, but we didn't get into the nitty-gritty. We, we sort of talked about like the general um, recording process there. But I think their music is on Apple Music, and I will be listening to it. because You it should. Like you'd actually, like. It is something that you'd actually really, really enjoy. So Big Cats, Lady Liza, the album's called Oh Boy, came out at the end of January 2020. Go give it a listen. I really enjoyed it. It's short, Angelus, a half hour. That's something I've noticed too. Music albums very short nowadays. Yes, well, people are moving away from the the pure album model, right? And sort of like are releasing EPs and singles and things like that at a more regular pace. So I feel like the notion and idea of an album um, is dying a very slow death, fortunately slash unfortunately. Yeah, because I I do like albums way more than trying to listen to playlists. But look, we'll get our music any way we can these days, and I'm happy that there are streaming services. I do like them a lot. Yeah, you should uh, trust them a little bit more. I, look, I, I trust Apple Music to point me in the right direction, and it usually does. Apart from a few weird glitches, it usually does. And now we, like, we've morphed this into Apple Music talk, but uh, just to say, look, every, every Mac, uh, like it says in the article, every Mac, iPhone, iPad actually comes with relatively good recording software in GarageBand. And um, if you listen, look, you've heard something made in on an iPhone in GarageBand having listened to this episode at the beginning, the theme music done on an iPhone while sitting in bed very easily. Very hot. Maybe. But yeah, the, the, our theme song was done on an iPhone really easily. Like I, 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 I pulled up a little fake keyboard on there, played a few notes, was able to loop them and put them together with uh, some other stuff. And, it, and then I did finish it off in Logic after. Right, but you still had that component of bringing it into the majority uh, of it was done in uh, in on a computer, uh, an actual computer. Well, no, the majority of it was done on an iPhone, and then no, but you still need to finish it on a computer. I didn't actually have to finish it, but I wanted to finish it off in Logic because I do like the control you have on an actual computer compared to an iPhone or GarageBand on GarageBand on the iPhone or on the iPad. But uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I agree that you could always, uh, you know, complete a piece of work. Maybe that's what you should do for this year. Complete a piece of work for the show just on your phone. And I, I just noticed in the article, it also won the uh, uh, the best engineered album of the year. Exactly. So that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, 2020 is an interesting place to be a musician, right? So if any musicians out there want to discuss their journeys with tech, 
double density podcast at gmail.com also double underscore density on twitter let us move on to the last item of episode 128's tech section and that is of course something completely frivolous and useless i got this uh usa today link uh, emailed to me by my mother so she said to my mom if she's listening she's probably not but that's completely fine uh atari branded hotels angelo does that sound insane to you because it sounds insane to me you know if this was the 70s and where atari was in its heyday and just doing whatever they wanted if you have if you ever read any of the stories of uh early uh, atari and nolan bushnell and everything he did uh, go read them because it's really entertaining and it was bonkers uh but now all of a sudden like who even owns atari it's not really the same people is it no it's a holding company yeah who basically uh, licensed licensed the atari brand out uh and, to build random hotels and is like a sad pixelated et gonna greet you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really um it's a it's a really weird thing right and i guess like atari's like has nothing to lose by uh saying yeah of course come on in and just go ahead and uh, use our name for these random hotels you plan on doing so they're planning on launching one in phoenix and then afterwards las vegas denver chicago seattle san francisco austin texas and san jose california uh yeah i don't know uh, the thing is like up until the crash of 83 like atari was a household name uh you know like if your kids were up i'd, I'd ask you to go ask them what does the word atari mean to them and they'd say nothing yeah i actually don't think they know they've never really heard of atari the confusing thing is that the uh so shelly murphy of gsd which is the part of the hotel developers group said the hotel will offer the ultimate in immersive entertainment in every aspect of gaming what does that even mean if it involves every aspect of gaming, not much will be Atari. And no, not at all. It's just like who, like who is your marquee character that you're going to put in all these rooms? It's not Mario. I don't know. The thing too is that they're saying that this will also be a hub for esports, which I think is like fine. But branding Atari, who has nothing to do with esports, uh, you know, and then bringing this idea in, it seems very, very disconnected. It feels really weird that of all video game companies, they've chosen Atari basically because the name's available, and that's it. From what I understand, they're they're only paying a couple hundred thousand dollars for the name. So no wonder it's yes. just something. It's you know what they wanted to order a cha- or order, they wanted to open a chain of hotels. They had no name to go with, so they just figured out. You know what? Let's pick uh, uh, Atari. Sounds good. People will. Like it's it. a weird hook because it's a name like once like uh, once again like your kids don't know who this is. They're not cl- like Daddy. Please let's go to the Atari hotel no. and play Pong. Like no one's gonna say that in twenty twenty. No, never. And people your age will go, hmm, that's interesting, and then walk right on by, right? So, Yeah, they're just going to go to the, uh, what's a good hotel in, uh, in the Las Vegas? Where did you stay when you went to Las Vegas? Uh, the hotel's closed. We were right by uh, New York, New York. It was awful. Oh, sorry. Let's not talk about Vegas. Members. I really don't like Vegas. Vegas is a, not a fun place. I don't really, have you been? You haven't been. I have not been, no. You'd, you'd, I feel like you'd fly right out after a half hour. You think? Yes. I'd want to go see Penn and Teller, though. I, which I did do, we, we've talked about, and that's the only thing you should be doing in Vegas, I guess. Yeah. Um, that Penn would and be... Teller driving out to Area 51 and then like gambling for an hour. I don't like gambling. Which is such a huge surprise. Mm, shocker. <laughs> I like playing poker with friends, though. Like it's, but it's not really gambling. It's just, you know, you get together with friends and talk and play some cards, but I, I, don't, really, I don't really ever lose more than like $20. So. so what you're saying is that we should do a double density branded uh, poker tour. Yeah, sounds great. And with that, Angela, I will see you in the paranormal section. See you there. Double density.
Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So, Angelo, I have decided to bring something back, a time-tested and uh, well-executed concept known as the Double Density Wheel of Fortune. My friend, I have several topics on the line here this week, and I want to go ahead and I want you to spin the wheel and we're going to land. So we have UFOs, ghosts, and cryptids. So give that wheel a spin, Angelo, and let me know where you land. You have it all set up, Brian? I do. All right, great. Um, let me spin. Angela, you've landed on UFOs, my friend. Ooh. Uh, let's talk about uh, UFOs in Hollywood. Well, let's do this. So MG Banyas uh, recently published an article on the mother- Motherboard Vice Vertical all about how Hollywood's UFO story is becoming way more realistic. And so, of course, there's the obligatory mention of uh, Project Blue Book having a second season coming out soon. I guess that's what the tie-in is, right? Talking about Tom DeLonge to the Stars Academy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a lot of really interesting facts and nuggets kind of like woven together to sort of make a good point that, uh, you know, uh, uh, TV's moving uh, closer and closer to sort of a lot more uh, realistic, quote-unquote, realistic depictions of ufology and UFO culture in general. What is considered a realistic depiction of, of ufology? Is it... Uh, I think let's say exploitative, right? Like a lot of the, like the, uh, like take the movie like Fire in the Sky, right? So the idea of an abduction versus like the work behind uh, what goes into looking at a case. So is it just dudes sitting at their computer like on internet forums typing away, complaining? <laughs> yes. And then uh, one of them has a duster, right? Or a raincoat that they grab and run out every once in a while. Just like uh, people on the above tox- top secret boards just losing their minds over things. Uh, have you been there in the last year? Maybe that's an episode we should do where you and I just go into Above Top Secret and just click around because, man, oh, man, that is a... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of saying this. It is a cesspool. Yeah, well, that could be something. Instead of doing one of our Reddit episodes, we can do one of our... Uh, we can do a new Above Top Secret episode. Above Top Secret is like the, like the UFO subreddit like on steroids, and then, like of course, it's always the Illuminati. They are really obsessed with that over there. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. If you have one of these quote-unquote realistic ufology shows, you'll have to have a person who uh, really loves their credentials. We've talked about this before, right? Like if they're a doctor, they will talk about being a doctor even if their PhD is in like economics or something. Uh, and uh, they will always put that as their title. They're really, uh, they have a big thing. I've always found that fascinating. Like, you know, Carl Sagan never said, mentioned that he was a doctor. Of course, he had a PhD in science of some kind. Of some he was a he was a scientist. <laughs> scientist, love those. Uh, yeah, I find this article kind of interesting because you and I have talked about it in the past about the Brookings report, right? Like we did an entire episode about that, and I I wonder what a modern Brookings report would look like. It would be all blacked out. Yeah. Well, yes. Firstly, but then secondly, like yes, okay, like fifty years ago, uh, you know, the uh, release of information about. UFOs, uh, you know, sort of uh, landing here imminently or contact of an extraterrestrial um, sort of uh, angle. Uh, sort of interesting to think. Do you think people would just shrug? I think a lot more shrugging would happen today than in the past. Yeah, because there's people now are inundated with all kinds of things, right? You know, there's stories about like pandemics breaking out. There's stories about presidents who are not uh, really good presidents. There are stories about wars everywhere. And you know what? People don't really care about little green men. Really, at the core of it, what I believe uh, that to be, I believe that to be very, very true, right? I think that, like, we have shorter attention spans in general due to conditioning based on all of the platforms that we use, right? So if a Brookings report, a Brookings report were commissioned today, I do believe that there'd be a large-scale apathy. There'd um, be a giant collective Twitter shrug. It, yeah, exactly. There'd be, like, UFO Twitter would just go nuts as always, but they go nuts over everything, right? So, I mean, they're still arguing about the Tic Tac video. Yeah, that whole Tic Tac thing, Brian, I don't know. It's It still bothers me that 
really you see nothing in those in that uh and the other day i was on reddit and somebody talked about a a, a tic-tac shaped uh ufo over the water and uh both you and I agreed it's probably just a boat or a blimp. Oh yeah, because the 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 perspective of the shot is shot. It was shot high up from a like a high floor downwards, but it's a very confusing perspective. But then you can also see by the the row of houses below that it it seems to be shot in the ocean, but it's just it's very viscerally odd to look at originally, unless you start unpacking what's going on in the picture. Yeah, he called it a tic tac shaped sausage. Now yes. is it a sausage or a tic tac? I don't know. <laughs> a lot of confusion. Minty sausages. Right. Uh, and, you know, like, once again, this reinforces uh, your and my viewpoints that, like, uh, you know, we don't believe in a grand conspiracy, you know, or like a unified theory of conspiracies. But at the same time, uh, where we to do that, a lot of the uh, money being pushed into Hollywood to create a lot of these different kinds of properties would probably uh, perhaps suggest that we're going slowly into a disclosure moment, my friend. We'll see. We need Tony Stark to save us. Bro, conjecture is fun. All right. Let's spin that wheel. Let's do this. Okay, Angelo, you landed on ghosts. So I uh, found a Huffington Post article from a couple of months ago that I thought was really interesting in light of our discussion about how I want to present you with very interesting sort of evidence. And so uh, this is a Huffington Post article written in the first person, and it is entitled, I worked on a paranormal reality show, but what I saw off camera really terrified me by Alex Aronson. So Angelo, I link this to you because I feel like the way that this guy talks about himself is sort of the way that you like to talk about yourself as a sort of skeptic, right? But the only big difference is of course that Aronson had something happen to him um, that sort of changed his viewpoint a little bit. Well, okay, so he uh, a great article. I liked his writing. Uh, really, actually, an entertaining article. I would highly recommend you read it. Um, but he, he really doesn't strike me as a skeptic at all. Like he Why seems not? to really want to believe this stuff. Like even in his in the way he he wrote about it, uh, you know, he, he says he considers himself a skeptical believer. So, because he's he's actually very open to the realm of the supernatural and whatever. Yeah, but he also said, "I want to see convincing evidence." Yeah, but he, you know, so I kind of feel like yes, like while he is one of those people who perhaps uh, you know uh, he's isn't on as scale. skeptical as he uh, is led to believe. I still believe that on you know our double density patented scale of of ufology and belief, I think at you know out of a four, he's probably like a three. Let's say a three, really? Yeah, yeah, like a two point seven five or a three. Uh, I would put it more down towards a two. No, really? so sorry. You he's, yes. that's, that's too skeptical. Sorry, yes. Uh, three, uh, three, uh, 3.75, Brian. You put him at 3.75? Like, holy in? 3.3? <laughs> I don't know. You're yelling numbers at me. So I don't know. You decide. 10.2. <laughs> Um, so basically, the article goes on to describe how Aronson uh, was hired to uh, play a very bad man in a reenactment of a show, and they actually were shooting um, on the grounds themselves of a, uh, a house that seemed to have a lot of bad luck, some murders, you know, some other kind of deaths happen there, right? So, look, a creepy house is going to be creepy, especially when weird things happen in it. And uh, I look, the story was uh, absolutely like chilling when he said he looked at the window and he saw some guy staring at him, the um, the same man in the hat. And of course, it doesn't help the poor guy when uh, the people who own the home are there and they're like, oh, you're playing that guy. Yeah, exactly. Which I found kind of interesting. Um, and the I don't priest know, I, I, telling him to make sure he uh, he says out loud, uh, nobody follow me home. I'm uh, you need to stay here. So I don't think those kinds of incantations work, by the way. Just letting you know, FYI. Did you notice the orbs in the picture he took? <laughs> uh, yeah. J.J. Uh, Abrams style. Mm-hmm. Flares. Um, I uh, actually have a ghost story to share with you. Uh, a continuation, actually. Uh, I was at uh, 
my mother-in-law's house today and I was hearing her talk to my wife about... Can uh, I guess, by the way? The home that she grew up in. Remember we talked about this? Yes, and you haven't provided the footage yet of your walkthrough of the house. Oh, yeah. So I, I can set it to Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. But apparently uh, they had to go back because somebody who's sensitive to the ghost went to the basement and uh, the ghost is back. He's a playful ghost. He likes playing with him. Apparently it's a little kid. And he's still there even after the uh, exorcism. Apparently it wasn't successful and they brought in other people. And uh, my wife was laughing about it because like, there were never any little kids that grew up in that house. It, <laughs> her grandfather literally built it. And it was never haunted. Maybe someone brought the spirit in though. Maybe, maybe. Did some, you like, bring the spirit in? Did your wife bring the spirit in? Probably not. No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, she said the basement also wasn't exactly like, because I said, oh, you know, a creepy basement is going to creep you out. But she said the basement was never really creepy. It wasn't, they, they actually would rent it out as a, as a, as a hall, uh, you know, um, a reception hall of some kind. So they even had like a little stage down there. And it that was, is a huge basement. Yeah, it's huge, 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 huge. Like it was really wide open basement not the highest ceiling but still if you know but couldn't if, couldn't a child have come through in one of those events in the vents in one of those events like oh, if one it's of those events. A rental I thought hall. there was a child coming out of a vent that would be really creepy no but uh i'm gonna add that to your nightmare uh roulette of fun i did actually have a nightmare about creepy children the other night and uh it was a uh, nightmarish as but so like coming back to this though like what if a kid had come in during one of these events and then like for some reason had attached itself to that Maybe, but didn't wouldn't he have so like the the dead kid came with somebody? No, not that. Yes, exactly. Either the dead kid or the child was alive when he visited there, and then like just decided really to come back it. afterwards. He had a nice Christmas party there and decided to go back. Well, maybe maybe, maybe you know it was one of the few uh, fun memories this child had. Maybe um, I have not been to the house yet. I overheard my wife telling her mom that uh, oh, um, Angelo and his uh, I was going to say husband, but no, Angelo and his co-host would like to go uh, check out the house. I will wear one of those hard hats with the lights on it. Uh, yeah, a uh, headlamp. So apart from that, you haven't had any experiences with haunted houses, though. Like like literally haunted houses. No, I look. I've stayed in houses that people have thought were haunted. Uh, for example, my grandmother's house in Italy. Uh, my sister said she saw weird stuff and people have talked about weird things happening there. Never experienced anything. And I stayed when I was two years old and then 10 years old. And then I think, how old was I? 16 or something? I can't remember. But So you, you, they had a, she had an evil eye experience? Yeah, uh, apparently. But um, I, never, I never had anything happen there. Well, I'm trying to remember uh, when I've been to Italy. I'm, uh, I can't remember but yeah, I never really saw anything. The, the, I told you, the creepiest thing I experienced when I was over there was actually the hill that went backwards. Yes, yes, but that is a natural phenomenon, right? Yes, so. no, sadly yes. no ghosts. But again, people always say that uh, they would put powder on the back of their car and they'd see the little hands pushing the car backwards because uh, a school bus went over the ledge there or something. I don't know what happened, but all those stories sound the same. So we need to find someone in the Montreal area with an actual haunted house and go visit it. How, do, how would you feel about that? I'd go with you. This is... a li- um, something that maybe we can discuss uh, here uh, on episode 120 actually is something that we never have discussed before uh, early on in the show's history we had someone contact us who wanted to be a guest on the show oh yeah I forgot about that and Ghost the uh, yeah they, it they just were didn't guests. work out but uh, yeah 
I, I will also like there were a number of reasons why we didn't want to do that including uh, uh someone so they had placed ads in local papers and uh the writing wasn't great and then also like we were pretty sure we were just going to troll them unfortunately because they were so ardent in their belief and once again it's this idea of tying the paranormal to uh a you know a, a job right so that automatically makes me uh, defensive as to what your intentions are yeah it is we never want to make fun of anybody or anything like that so we didn't want to enter into a situation where that was going to happen yeah and I, but there know, is there is a Montreal area ghost hunter who you know through uh, a person that you visit on a regular basis. Yeah, I guess. But let's not talk about that. Uh, no, but I just I wanted to throw that out there that we, yeah. you know. Yeah, I guess. But uh, I don't know. This article, though, well-written and a fun read, I'd say. Uh, I don't think he actually saw anything. I think he got excited by being there. So who's in the window then? What's that? Who's in the window? They probably like the wind or something or maybe some somebody messing with them. <laughs> if that's your best guess um, I don't know I don't know it's my best uh, Philip J. Class guess uh, or as uh, Rob Christopherson says uh, Philip J. Ass I don't know if you've listened to the newest episode of Our Strange Guys if not you should do that it is probably one of the more definitive um, uh, recountings of the uh, Lonnie Zamora uh, I, I have not listened but that's okay. one of my favorite cases it's 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 a case with a lot of really interesting physical evidence and uh, well you know we'll talk about physical evidence and UFOs and things like that in a later episode I think right yeah of course and um we we talked about the, the Lines of Moore incident in one of our early episodes, but if we you did. want a really a good take on it, of course, go listen to Rob because Rob's really good at that. Exactly. So, uh, Angelo, uh, we've come to the end of the spinning wheel, of course. So the last available topic is cryptids. I, I found something that I mostly uh, I wanted to share with you because the uh, the Southern Illinoisan uh, article has really great sketches of yes. the... Of the big muddy monster, my friend. Um, so this is an article entitled Strange Sightings in Little Egypt. Do cryptids live in southern Illinois? And I found this was really uh, uh, a, a fun retelling of like uh, um, cryptids uh, and includes really great drawings of the big muddy monster from, uh, you know, uh, 30, 35 years ago. Um, so uh, the big muddy monster, southern Illinois, uh, has been around in theory. Its first sighting was in the early 70s. There was a monster flap at that time in the area and it sort of reappeared in the late 80s and kind of pokes his head out every 10 to 15 years or so it seems like is he just bigfoot well he is bigfoot's cousin so uh one of the more interesting things and i i, I laughed when i i read this because it sounds like something we would suggest but lauren coleman of course is a uh man who uh is well a known. very rather respected cryptozoologist right and uh this made me laugh um so it says that coleman has never ventured so far as to surmise that bigfoot had been dropped earth by a ufo he said and that literally sounds like something we would say and coleman also says i try to keep it in the middle i just want the data i just want the information which you and i both agree with you know, we're very like show us the evidence kind of people but i did have to laugh at the idea of like uh uh here's your lunch bag bigfoot uh have a nice day on earth school yeah bye yeah, like we'll be back in 15 years. They dropped him off with his cousin, the, the mud monster. Exactly. And also the skunk ape, right? So the funny thing about this too is that the uh, big muddy monster has also been uh, in, the, in the 80s iteration said to be very smelly. So, like garbage in a sewer. Yeah, so he's the skunk ape. He's just Illinois' version of it. <laughs> or like, yeah, distant cousin, right? And so we discussed in a prior episode how you, out of everything out there, this sort of like... Uh, quasi-fantastical in nature, you kind of believe in cryptids a little bit more than a UFO, right? Or a ghost, necessarily? So not believe. Uh, what I would say is that they're the most plausible. Right. I think it's plausible that there are animals we may have not seen that are very rare, um, but they don't possess magical powers or anything. There aren't anything spectacularly special. They're just rare or whatever. 
uh, do I think Bigfoot exists? I don't think so. I think that's mostly things that people uh, misidentify. Right. But could there be some ape that's running around North America that we haven't yet discovered? Possibly. Maybe they're really rare. I'm going to quote from the article here. Um, so once again, Lauren Coleman. Uh, Coleman said the science of cryptozoology is something that he finds particularly satisfying. Quote, I think a lot of new science comes from there. End quote. He said, pointing to what he calls the, quote, classic animals of discovery. End quote. The giant squid is an example of this. He said until about 2006, the creature existed only in sailor's tales, right? So as, as late or as recently as like a decade ago, a decade and a half ago, Max, we we're still discovering creatures. And mostly the ocean uh, has gone unexplored in, in its depths, right? So it, there's some stuff out there that we have yet to encounter. Well, the ocean certainly has things we haven't found. Remember when we uh, finally discovered the bioluminescent uh, creatures down there? Exactly. So that, that's a, that was an amazing discovery. It would, they're so deep down because we couldn't go there because of the pressure. We finally were able to get down there and we saw these things that had to create their own light, which is pretty incredible. Those look like aliens. Yes, they do. And it's kind of incredible how, uh, you know, uh, biology has sort of like uh, allowed these creatures to uh, grow up um, generationally um, to be able to sort of, you know, create their own light, as you're saying. Right. So I think this ties into the idea of cryptozoology. And I, I do think that, you know, there are certain parts of the world that we've left undiscovered and there are certain facets of the world itself as it exists now that sort of maybe have a little a bit of this going on, too. Um, so I agree with your assertion that. Uh, there may be a strand of ape that's still out there that we've yet to sort of classify, but to, you know, call it the missing link. Um, yeah. I don't see it, uh, you know, as we advance further, further into the future and like it's easier and easier to document these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, something that stood out, you also included a uh, cryptidsfandom.com <laughs> web link. And, yeah. I, and we, we, we referenced cryptids.fandom a while back, right? For orbs? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, it was for, no, it was for um, rods, the rods episode. <laughs> well, one of the uh, comments on this was uh, a comment so nice he posted it twice um, from uh, user Jack Asson. Uh, he wrote, fake, fake, fake. This was a creation of a publicity firm trying to drum up tourism bucks for the Murfreesboro Apple Festival, period. Do you think it actually worked? I don't know, but Apple has a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, of course, going to take that angle. Uh, once again, like the comment section, just making her days, right? Always. Uh, perfect. Yeah, so if anyone has any uh, cryptos that are near and dear to their heart, please tweet at us, double underscore density. We'd love to hear your, uh, you know, favorite cryptid. Show us a picture, you know, a hand-drawn picture if you'd like, uh, either yourself or credit the person who uh, created it and send it our way. We'd love to see, um, you know, what large creature or small creature that you want in your life, right? Chupacabra. You'd pick the goat sucker, really? No, I wouldn't, but it's cute and small. The chupacabra would terrify your children, my friend. Oh, too bad. It's just a <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> right of course you're taking that angle yeah angela i think this is a good place to end episode 120 of the double density podcast how does that sound to you sounds great as we've mentioned before you can find us on twitter double underscore density instagram.com slash double density podcast also double density podcast at gmail.com and you can also head on over to double density.net and if you take a look at the main page you can see all the different platforms we're on and those aren't the only ones but those are the majority of them you can find out how to subscribe you can see our pasty white faces we should probably revamp our twitter uh, and also our uh website bio sometime soon but you're never on twitter so i'll write it for you that's okay you can also see our archives all of our show notes everything there uh all in one place uh, also, uh, leave a review, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, why not? We, we yeah, love, go ahead. We'll, we'll even read the review online. On the, on the, online, on the podcast. Out loud. Out yes. loud. On the podcast. On the air. Also online. Over the airwaves. Angela, tune in next episode as we spin the Wheel of Destiny yet again and decide where in time we shall see each other again. I thought you were going to say where in the world is Carmen San Diego.
I'm not going to say that because... Uh, how's the reboot going, by the way? We watched a few episodes and then we stopped watching it. Why? I don't know. We just we, we never got the chance to watch it. But I interrupted your ending. Sorry about that, Brian. No, no. I'm just I, Now that we're talking about this, I remember there was a reboot and I never followed up because I figured that would be a property you watch. We watched a bit of it, yes. Okay. Does it have the classic theme song or an updated theme song that sounds like it? I can't remember, but I don't think it did. All right, well, Angela, I want you to uh, uh, close your computer, your actual computer, and go take a look for me and, and text me. How does that sound? And then we'll reconvene at the top of episode 129 to discuss this. I'll go watch it on my iPad. The perfect. Whatever you want to watch. Your preferred you know, device of choice. Great. All right, Angela, I'll see you there. See ya.